Good morning. Except for Dr. Jim Manoya, I never knew anyone here. But when I arrived, um, I instantly connected with your pastor and her husband. She began to dig into my life, how my life was, how my mission began. And her husband, Mark, began to dig into the life of the cricket in India. <laughs> so that was an instant connection. How would you think if you talk about cricket 10,000 miles away from India? So that was awesome. <laughs> and you have given me, uh, Pastor Colleen, the best of things in Santa Barbara. Shoot, they took me to the ocean, took me to the Riviera, they took me to the Thai restaurant and many things. And your fellowship and love has been amazing. I have enjoyed my stay with uh, Dr. Jim and his wife, Elizabeth. This morning they treated me to the fluffy waffles. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jim and Elizabeth. Uh, uh, well, my... The title of my message this morning is, Show Me Your Glory. Can you repeat with me? Show Me Your Glory. The text is taken from Exodus chapter 33, verses 13 to 18. And I'm not going to read all of that. I will read the last verse, verse 18. For you have, and, and, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that you have spoken. Uh, for you have found grace in my sight. I'm making a paraphrase from the King James. So, <laughs> uh, And I know, the, I know you by name. And he said, I beseech you, O Lord. Show me your glory. The Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, said, It is a pretty large request that Moses made. I have read an article by Spurgeon on this subject, but believe me, I am not going to preach his message this morning. No man had ever made such request as this. Jacob asked for the blessing of God at the cost of his broken thigh. Gideon asked in fear and trembling the fleece of wool, uh, the dews under the fleece of wool. Elisha had asked for the double portion of the Spirit of God from his mentor Elijah. A man called Jabez prayed that his territory may be extended. God would enlarge his territory. King Hezekiah had asked for the extension of his life by 15 years. Hannah had asked for his son when she was barren. Solomon had prayed for wisdom. Daniel prayed for the interpretation of dreams and visions. The thief on the cross Ask for a place in paradise, but never, ever 
man made a request like Moses did. Now we have to understand the glory of God in order to understand or comprehend the intensity of Moses' request. As the Bible is revealed to mankind, God is the spirit. The spirit is invisible, unseen, without a form. Now when you talk about the glory of an unseen and an invisible God, what are you actually talking about? Is it about the radiance of God? Is it about the majesty of God? Is it about the wondrous display of his creation in the universe? Is it the expression of his goodness, his nature, or his attributes? What was Moses asking about? Is it the splendor of God, his brightness, his glow, his glitter, his brilliance, his luster? What was he asking for? Is it the refulgence of God or the luminosity of his presence? What was God asking for when he asked for his glory? Psalms 104 verses 1 and 2 say, Bless the Lord. O oh, my soul, O oh, Lord God, you are very great. You cannot describe anything. You put that adjective very. You are very great, O oh God. He couldn't describe me more than that. Then he said, you are clothed with honor and majesty. This is glory. God is clothed. His garment is the glory and majesty and honor. Is this the kind of glory Moses wanted to see of God? Was Moses interested in the intrinsic glory of God or his ascribed glory or the extrinsic glory? Intrinsic glory is the substance of God. It is the sum total of all his attributes. God is described, our pastor read to us from Psalms number 24, he is the king of glory. Paul says in Romans 11 and verse 36, for of him, through him, and to him are all things, and glory be to him. Here in this text in Romans 11:36, it is capsulized, summarized, the theology the history, and the complete worldview of mankind. The original word, Hebrew word for glory is kabod. And the Greek transliteration is doxa. You say in English size, doxa. I say in Greek, doxa. So kabod and doxa is the Greek and the Hebrew word for glory. Kabod does not mean light or radiance. It means heaviness or weight. When you say glory of God, you're talking about the weight of God, the, the, the heaviness of God, the significance of God. In fact, C.S. Lewis wrote a book, Weight of Glory. It actually says, if you say weight of glory, it's, it is actually the weight of the weight. But I have not taken this message from C.S. Lewis either. You can read the book. 
Kavod means his, his honor, his riches, his significance, the unique significance of God. Uh, sometimes uh, the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament uh, talks about Jacob's wealth. It says the kabod of Jacob. It talks about the uh, glory of, of uh, Joseph in the, in, the, in the land of Egypt. It says kabod, significance of Joseph. It also talks about the heaviness or the weight of priest Eli. You remember, priest Eli fell down from a chair when he heard that uh, the, the, Philistines had, the Philistines had taken away the Ark of the Covenant in a battle. When he heard the news, he fell down, and the Word of God says, Eli was old. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Eli was old, and he was kapod. He was heavy, physically. So the word kabod can be described in many different ways about the honor, about the weight of your body, about your riches, about the significance of a person. And then literally kabod or glory means heaviness, weight. Metaphorically, it describes the importance, the reputation, and the honor of a person. It conveys the physical manifestation of one's importance. A person's kabod is his wealth. It could be his positions as well. But the glory, when it comes to God, kabod is supreme to his person. It's everything else is secondary to God. Kabod, the glory, is primary to his character. And everything else is peripheral. God's glory does not vacillate like if a man is a star today i do not know who is the greatest star of hollywood we have bollywood stars in in india now the greatest star today was a small kid in the kindergarten he it was a graded glory he went to the high school he went to a drama school and he went to a theater to practice and then today he's a superstar the most beautiful woman in the world was once from India. And she was running nose when she was a child. <laughs> it's a graded glory. But when it comes to God, he did not go to a kindergarten. He was God, glorious from the beginning to in eternity. You see his kabod, every, every side you turn of God, you see his glory, his significance his greatness, and his weight. The young man who is the fastest runner today in the world, he began a few steps as a baby when he was born and after he was born. The glory of God is the sum total of his attributes. It is the visible manifestation of his awesome character. God is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere. He is here. He is, you know, parking lot. He was in the uh, outreach um, um, premises yesterday. He was in your car when you drove to the church today. He'll be in your car when you drive back to your home today. He is everywhere. If God is everywhere, how come we do not see his glory? Because glory is inherent. Human beings are good at creating confusion. <clears throat> we have confused 
the omnipresence of God with his manifest presence. God is everywhere, but until he manifests his presence, our human eyes cannot see that. Our body, our eyes are not conditioned to see the glory of God and his presence. If you read the Theophany episodes in the book of Exodus, you know, there are so many. God was saying of Moses, God was saying of the people of Israel, every morning in the encampment of Israel, the glory of God, the weight of God came and stayed on the tabernacle, on the roof of the tabernacle. And when the children of Israel, little kids, when they came out of their camps, they saw, see there, the glory of God. So they saw it every day. And in Moses talked to God as a friend talked to a friend from the clouds, behind the clouds. He saw every day the glory of God. So if the presence of God is inherent with his glory, Moses had seen a lot of his glory. Then why is Moses asking today, show me your glory? Remember when Jacob was running away from his home for the fear of his brother Esau. He had taken away from him the birthright. He had taken away his blessings from his father. And now he was angry with Jacob. He was running away from home. A rich, a rich, a rich kid of a rich father. Isaac was very rich. Like when I come to your homes, American homes, you have beds that are so high. You sit there, it bumps you along. And then you drive in roads that a helicopter or an airplane can go on the roads. I, I feel like I can sleep on your roads. When I... <laughs> your homes are big. Your churches are big. Your sky is big. And then Jacob was a rich kid. Today he is in the wilderness, sleeping on a rock. There is no pillow. You know, he must have slept on that five feet high bed at home. There is no pillow today. He took a stone and made it his pillow. He is sleeping there comfortably sleep because he was exhausted running and walking all day. And he was sleeping there. There God appears to him. When he wakes up from the sleep, in the, in the dream he sees the ladder, a long ladder from earth to the heavens. And he sees God sitting on the top of the ladder. And then he sees the angels of God descending and ascending on the ladder. That was a glorious scene for Jacob. Then when he awoke from the sleep, he said, Genesis 28 verse 16, Surely the Lord is here. How come I did not know about it? The Lord is here. We do not know about it. Then he says, He's there. He's there. He himself. Jacob had no clue about it. And then uh, today, if Jacob uh, speaks our language, he said, this is an awesome place. This is a great place. He must have jumped up like the kids jumped in the outreach yesterday when Amanda was singing. <laughs> he could have jumped up and said, the God is here. I did not know about it. How is it that I did not know about it? God is here. He says that glorious vision of the Lord. This is what happens when our eyes are open to the glory of God. 
God also shows one of the ways that God shows or manifests his glory is through the miracles. The pastor was praying about some sicknesses, some uh, problems today. When you see God's miracle, that is the showing forth of his glory. John chapter 2 and verse 11, this beginning of the miracle did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. Jesus did the miracle and manifested his glory. When Lazarus was sick, the runners went to Jesus and said, the one who loved most is sick right now. Martha's brother is sick. Come and heal him. Jesus said, I'm not going to go now. I'll go after four days. And then he says, the sickness is for God's glory. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, it was to the glory of God, the manifestation of God's glory. So God manifests his glory through miracles. In the land of Egypt, when Moses was doing miracles with the power of God, God said, I'm going to get honor from Pharaoh. That's glory. I'll get my kabod. I will, I will establish my significance in the land of Egypt. I will show my weight to Pharaoh. So that was glory. So if miracles show forth God's glory, Moses had seen a lot of them in the wilderness, in Egypt. Now, what is Moses asking for then? He has seen the miracles, which is the showing forth of God's glory. He has seen the glory on the tabernacle, on the mountain. What kind of glory then is he asking for? When the presence of God hovered over the tabernacle during the wilderness journey, he had seen the glory. If we consider the background of every theophany in the book of Exodus, we see that there was glory revealed many times. But this time, Moses is asking for God's glory in the backdrop of a, a great disaster in the social life of Israel. If you read Exodus chapter 32, Moses was on mountaintop having communion with this great glory of God. He was communing with God as a friend talks to a friend. And he was in the revealed presence of God. And there in the, in the valley, the people were dancing to the, uh, before the golden calf. It was a rebellion against God. There was sin in the camp. And, God, and Moses comes with the two tablets of stone ever written with the fingers of God. He comes there with the word of God. He sees the whole congregation of Israel going by stress with noise and uproar. Worshipping a golden calf instead of God, living God. God's wrath was kindled against the people of Israel. God said, Moses, I'm going to destroy these people. And I'll make a nation out of you. If I were in the place of Moses, I would say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Abraham will be remembered no more. Israel will not be the children of Israel no more. They will be the children of Moses. They'll be known. And Moses becomes the patriarch. 
But Moses was a humble man. He knew how to please God. And he says, God, save these people. Save your people. Then, now, after God had said he had forgiven his people, Moses says, God, do me one more favor. Show me your glory. In the backdrop of this rebellion and the disbelief, uh, relationship was broken with God. Moses said, God, show me your glory. I want to see your significance. I want to see what kind of material you're made of. Can you really forgive these people? They have rebelled against you. They have <clears throat> sinned against you. Can you really forgive these people and go before them like before? Show me what kind of material you are made up of. I want to see you. Your weight, the weight of love, weight of forbearance, weight of your glory. Lord, show me who you are. God said, I am pleased with you, Moses. I'm going to show you, but I show you my way. The way I want to show you. You know, um, when I was growing as a child, I grew up in a small village. And for us, the mountains were all around. A small village surrounded by the mountains. The sun rises on one mountain and ends up in the other mountain. So the sky was really small. And the airport from our place was about 200 miles away. So we never saw an airport, nor an airplane as children. Once in a blue moon, there was an uproar in the sky like the noise of an airplane. It would go beyond the, sky, beyond the clouds, and all the children, including me, all the children came out together uh, to, the, to, the, to outside our homes to gaze into the sky to have a glimpse of the airplane. You know, it would fly beyond the clouds, and we could not see that. There'll be some cloud openings here and there, and some smart kids. I was not smart. The smart kids would look at those cloud openings to, to have a glimpse of the, of the airplane. So it would fly with a roar, fly and fly. It's a small sky, and some children would notice it through the, through the holes in the, in the clouds. And they would shout, there it is. And everybody would say, where it is? Because we could not see. By the time we see the, see the, see the, try to see the plane, we would see the tail end of the smoke coming from the airplane, and the airplane is gone. I think this is what happened to Moses. Moses was waiting to see the full glory of God, the full weight of God, the full significance of God. God told him, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and going to cover my hand. I'll pass by and then I will take my hand out. So what do you see? The backside of God. Was God physically present there? Did really God have the back? What kind of back he had? Did he have a human back? What did really Moses see? <clears throat> Everything we see, backside is a bad side. If you say a man is from the backside of the woods, that means he is poorly educated. He's from a village. Backside of everything is back. Never go to the backside of the devil, they say. Oh, 
because it's a, it's a, it's a real the worst side of the devil. The backside of God is good. I told you at the beginning, turn God from any side. Look at God from any side. His weight would be seen. His glory would be seen. His radiance would be seen. His significance would be everywhere, pervade everything. And then this is what little bit of God is more for us. Less of God's glory is more for us. This is what little bit of the sight of the glory of God, his weight, his attributes. It says that all of his goodness passed before him. The weight of his love, the weight of his compassion, the weight of his mercy, the weight of his faithfulness. Everything passed before Moses. He saw a little bit of that. He was satisfied when nobody describes after seeing God's glory. Moses did not write three more chapters describing the glory of God, what he saw. One day, Paul was taken to the third heaven. Of course, he saw the glory of God. He came back, kept mum about it. He never wrote about it. He only says, I had roarings in the waters. Who wants to hear the roaring in the waters? Who you want to have the description of God's glory? And Moses saw that he was satisfied. Now everybody wants to see the glory of God. I'm sure you have desired to see God's glory sometime. You may pray, God, show me the glory. But today God would ask you, why would you want to see my glory? Moses wanted to see because there was rebellion in the camp. There was apostasy among God's people. They were turning away from him. That's why he wanted to make sure if God was still going to go with the people of Israel. Why do you want to see God's glory? Psalms 67, number 67, verse 1 and 2, David describes the purpose. He says, Lord, Cause your face to shine upon us. He doesn't want to see the intrinsic glory of God. This is the ascribed or the revealed glory of God. God, cause your face to shine upon us. Why? David says, so that his saving health will be known to all nations. David says, Lord, show me your glory. Make your face to shine upon me so that I may know your ways. And I may declare your glory to the nations. This is why David wanted to see God's glory. This morning, my dear friends, if you want to see God's glory, God would ask you a question. Why do you want to see my glory? I would say, Lord, I would like to reflect your glory to the nations. I would like to reflect my glory to the destitute children in India. I would like to reflect my glory to all the students and the faculty, those who do not know you, at the Emmanuel University. I would like to show your glory to the destitute widows and this Dalit community and those who do not know anything about one living God. I would like to show my glory to million others. Lord, show me your glory. What would be your desire today? Shall we pray? Our glorious God, 
We thank you for your presence today. Lord, you are more than willing to show your glory to us than we ever willing to see your glory. But Lord, what would you do with this glory? It is too weighty for us, too significant, too refulgent, too luminous. Lord, we pray that this will reflect on us so that the nations may know that we believe in a God who is kabod, glorious. Reflect on us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.